Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and we are going to start today with the continuation of our uh, Red Word series. I love this series, and I had Pastor Pat Nembers on not that long ago, and we jumped into John chapter 15. And really, the best way to discover what Jesus the Messiah really said and did is to read the Gospels. And so we're going to continue with Pat. Uh, we started on John 15, and it was so rich, we needed part two to finish it. Now, most sequels aren't as good, but I promise this one will not disappoint. And uh, Pastor Pat Nembers is the senior pastor at Sailorville Church in lovely Des Moines, Iowa. Pat, welcome back. Thank you, Bill. Great to be back with you. I am looking forward to part two. And because we started this uh, several weeks ago... Why don't we just kind of uh, do a recap a little bit of John chapter 15, because it is so rich and so good. Yeah, it really is. And we're really focusing in on the first eight verses. And we'll probably, if we have the time, we'll get into the verses that will follow. But uh, this is the famous, uh, you know, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser passage. It's a great passage of scripture. And it's talking about bearing fruit, more fruit and much fruit. And it's how God is glorified. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this since our last time we talked about this, Pat. And it it seems that there are are branches in the vicinity of the vine, but there's a disconnect. Um, I think of false professors of Christianity, and I think there's a lot of them today that would fall into that category. And I think one of the most famous ones might have been Judas Iscariot. Yes, he definitely was not a true disciple, was he? No, but he was Uh, certainly connected uh, to the vine as it appeared. As it appeared. Yes. Uh, But the, uh, and I'm not sure where you're going, but I was thinking as it appeared, that's the key phrase here, as it appeared. (laughs) Exactly. Well, because at the end of the day, how do we know if somebody actually is connected to the vine, metaphorically speaking. And the answer from this passage repeatedly so is, do they bear fruit? Yes, amen. More fruit and much fruit. And of course, Judas didn't. I was just, just came to my mind just as you were saying this. I, I was uh, preaching here a few weeks ago and, and I mentioned the likes of uh, Esau and uh, in the Old Testament and Pharaoh and Judas. And I asked, what did they all have in common? And what they all had in common was remorse, uh, uh, weeping, uh, feeling awful. You know, what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 7 as uh, worldly sorrow. But none of them were true disciples. So they were not connected to the vine. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, because we're going to talk a little bit about Judas as as he relates to not connecting to the vine, although it it appeared that he was a professing uh, person, of course, I can look at some passages, Pat, like in, in Matthew 10, where Jesus summons his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, 
to cure every disease and every sickness, of which I would assume Judas was part of those 12. I would as well. Now, we don't know what he did because the scripture doesn't teach, so I don't. we don't need to speculate, but um, he was sent out and had authority over unclean spirits. And it seems, Pat, the way that Jesus gathered his disciples was they kind of dropped everything they were doing and followed him. And I assume Judas was the same way. Yeah, this is interesting because this is really, and this ties back into John 15. There, there is a sense in which um, uh, there is a lot of foliage, but there wasn't any fruit in Judas's life. Let's right. put it that way. So if you recall, last time we were together, I, I, in the home that I grew up in, there was a, we had a Concord grape vine in the back of the house. And uh, every year it had lots of foliage and every year the grapes got fewer and fewer. And, and the ones that did appear on the vine were smaller and smaller. Of course, I had no idea why that was. And the reason was nobody, there was no vine dresser. Nobody was <laughs> cut back uh-huh. And, uh, but there was a lot. There was a lot of foliage. The foliage looked pretty, yeah. But it wasn't bearing fruit. And I think that gets to what you're talking about with Judas. It is intriguing, is it not? It that, is intriguing. Yeah. And I think, and you mentioned not to speculate, but I think sometimes we do have to speculate within reason and yeah. uh, with a little sanctified imagination. It doesn't take much. If Judas had not been given the authority and the power to do some of those things that Jesus endowed upon his his followers, then he would have been, he would have been ferreted out very early. I mean, somebody would have spotted him like, Hey, how come it never works for you to cast out demons? You know, those right. kind of things. Right. Right. So, Good point. Uh, and I think that this probably speaks of false teachers today. They can, they can have a lot of foliage look really good, but at the end of the day, we got to look for the fruit coming out of their lives yeah. or black. Mm-hmm. Pat numbers is my guest. If we continue our red word series, the words of Jesus, we're in John 15 and then let's just take it to the last supper, the last gathering of the disciples where Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And there was quite a bit of chaos amongst the 12, amongst the 11, going, well, who would it be? It, would it, be me? it wouldn't be me. I mean, yeah. they genuinely didn't know who it was. That's a really, really good point, Bill. The very fact that they wondered out loud yeah. tells us that they didn't know. And keep it, And let me add to that. Remember, Judas was the one taking care of the money. Well, who do you trust more in the church than the guy who's holding the purse, right? Right. And I, I think they trusted him implicitly. Uh, I would agree, Pat. That's really interesting. Yep. So, so go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. No. Well, in John 15, um, uh, where we left off, I, I'd like to just kind of give our listeners a reminder where we left off. This is, I'm just, may I just read the text? Please. I'd love that. And I, and I'm going to read it from the translation I'm holding here. It's the new King James, although I love all the modern translations. This is the one where this is the one I've memorized the most out of it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And we talked about this last time that Greek phrase takes away could also mean to lift up. Exactly. And uh, so, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that. And why, why does he, that, or in order that it may bear more fruit. And then Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And, And we mentioned last time that when branches will have a tendency to grow along the ground. And so the vine dresser will literally pick up that branch and wash it off. Uh, so that's kind of what he's alluding to here. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me. This is another key phrase in this passage, and this is how we bear fruit. And I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If, any, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered them and th- uh, throw them into the fire and they are burned. Mm-hmm. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you desire. It shall be done for you. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. So there's our text. Love it. Love it. All right. Now, Pat, if if this was the only passage that addressed the issue of eternal security, there might be a good reason to fear that your salvation uh, could be lost. However, Mm -hmm. uh, there are so many passages that uh, give the security of the believer complete assurance. Um, You find that in John 3 and John 6 and John 10. Um, But... This has been a troubling verse for many people when they come across it. It is, and because they isolate it. Uh, a great Bible uh, interpretation principle is always interpret difficult passages in the light of the clear ones. Exactly. That's Love a pretty that. simple principle right there. So the clear ones, as you've already alluded, Bill, teach us uh, that we have, I mean, John three sixteen. you have everlasting life. I like to ask people, well, how long is everlasting? I mean, it's a rhetorical question, right? <laughs> yeah. In John 10, he says, you will never perish. Again, I think that's the Greek double negative, but it says, Ooh, you will literally, you will never, ever perish. Well, how long is never, ever? <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, so I, I once had a, a man <clears throat> and he was a minister in my home a few years back who argued that you could lose your salvation. And so I looked at him and I said, well, you know, Peter said that uh, we are kept no, here's what I asked. I actually asked him, I asked him, uh, you know, about, you know, if he, if he understood what he meant when he said that, because Peter tells us that we are kept by the power of God, which I think is very powerful. And we don't often refer to that from an eternal security perspective, but think about that. We're kept by the omnipotence of God. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anything more powerful than that? Yeah. I mean, our eternal security is kept safe in heaven. Right. And you and you also alluded to John chapter 10, where Jesus says they're, you know, my, you know, they're in my hand. My father, who's greater than I has given them me and nobody can take them out of his hand. You know, so you got you got double omnipotence. You got the Savior's hand and the Father God's hand. I mean, we are safe. But this passage of Scripture uh, is talking to to believers. Remember, again, in verse three says you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And I might remind you, Bill. Judas is not with them at this point. He bugs out in John chapter 13. Mm, Good point, Pat. It's it's all his disciples minus Judas, which is really important because Jesus would not have said that, right? Because in other passages, he he sort of distinguishes between them and and the one who would betray him. He didn't have to do that here because he's not even around. Yeah. All right, if, so, you, if you are a true believer, you are connected to the vine, and Jesus will not fail to produce fruit in your life. So, Pastor Pat Nembers is my guest. We're going to continue our study in the red words of Jesus. We're in John chapter 15. If you just tuned in, get your Bible, open up your iPad, do whatever you do. We'll be right back. 
Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. Welcome to the show. Pat Nemers is my guest. I'll give you some of his fine credentials. He has been the lead pastor at Sailorville Church in Des Moines since 1998 and doing it well. Um, Pat, we are, uh, uh, I want to do a, a little bit more review because I, I just love this uh, chapter in John, John 15 that we're in today. And there is talk and warning about falling away. And I, I think that's a concern Everybody has. What if I fall away? Well, I'm glad you picked it up because that's right where we left off. And I'm just going to refer to that second verse again where it says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch of me that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The, the phrase takes away, as we mentioned earlier, can mean lifts up, which Amen. is what a vine do when branches are just kind of crawling along the ground they're not going to bear fruit down there but i believe it's actually i i think there's this is an and john does this a number of times this could be a double interpretation in other words could it could it legitimately be translated takes away and the answer is yes it could and so what does that mean takes away uh remember i i think i think it means exactly what it says. If I am a branch in Christ, not bearing fruit, our divine vine dresser has the prerogative to take us away. And by taking us away, it means through divine discipline, he takes us home. Uh, it's the irony of it all is in the great love of God, we get rewarded. We get to go to heaven, you know, but we're not going to be allowed to stay here and besmirch the testimony of Jesus Christ with a life that's not bearing fruit. If indeed we are choosing to live a life, uh, having been saved, this is, and again, this is one of these cloudy deals. I mean, this is why we look at people and we wonder if they're really saved because they're not bearing fruit. Mm -hmm. And I tell, and I've often said the only difference between an unbeliever and a believer that's not bearing fruit is one's going to hell and the other's going to heaven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, and and but the sad thing about it is outwardly there isn't a whole lot of difference, and that means that the that the true believer who is not bearing fruit for whatever reason he's living in sin or he's he's uh, choosing not to walk with God, which would be living in sin the same way, whatever. Then it it I think there are times God just says. I, that's enough. You're coming home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, 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 there are actually some cases in my life that I've lived here. I'm now in my sixties. I've seen cases where I'm at least left wondering if God didn't just take that person home because they were refusing to bear fruit. So I don't think believers should just look at a passage like this and say, Oh, you see, you know, I can never lose my salvation. So that's not what it's teaching. No, it's not teaching. You can lose your salvation, but I think there's a stern warning there. Just the same bill. Yeah. You know, there's got to be lots of people who attend church. Maybe they appear as a Christian or a professing person, but they're really n not there under that uh, 
they're there because they want to enjoy some of the trappings of Christianity. You know, sure. Uh, the person sure. I'm trying to get, you know, there could be someone they want to meet or someone they want to connect with socially or. You know, there's a lot of motivations people might show up at church. That doesn't make them a believer and grafted into the true vine. No, it doesn't. And I think the, the you, time will tell. Yes. Anybody with a discerning spirit, time will tell if that person is real. Uh, there's somebody on my mind right now who I knew for years. He had all the trappings. He came to church. He, he, uh, he brought his family to church. Uh, he did churchy things, got involved in church events, even had kind of a, a way of being, uh, he had kind of a giving kind of a way about him, but there was never any genuine outward show or tenderness to the Lord. Never mm. any love for God, never any love for his word. He was always complaining when there would be another service because he didn't want to go. You don't want to go to church that often. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he, he didn't stick around. Yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't stick around for fellowships, things like this. And I'm and I'm pointing this out because these were over time. I began to uh, become wary of this individual. And then again, over time, he just completely walked away from the things of God, which left uh, me wondering if he was ever a Christian to begin with. Mm -hmm. So Pat, I know there's listeners right now thinking, uh, they're talking about bearing fruit and I'm wondering, am I bearing fruit? And if I am bearing fruit, what does bearing fruit look like? How would I be able to say, oh, I guess I am bearing fruit. Well, that's great. And this passage actually goes there. And I was going to, I was going to save some of that to the very end here, but, but there are some evidences in this passage and they're worth looking at. So, so what is the evidence that I'm, I'm bearing fruit? That's the question you have. That's exactly the question. Yeah. So, so there's, I think there, if you look at the scripture itself, the first thing you see is answer to prayer that you, where he says, if you abide in me, verse seven, ask whatever you will, it will be done. When you have answers to prayer, that is, I mean, where you prayed something specific, by the way, general prayers get general answers, specific prayers get specific answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember being in the funeral. I, I was at a funeral one day, Bill, uh, this, this, uh, false pastor was, it was, it was not a Bible believing church, but it was packed out. And this preacher was really preaching. He was preaching that this guy was in heaven because he was baptized. He literally linked baptism to salvation. And when he did that, I'm in the audience. So what was I supposed to do? Stand up and rebuke him before a couple hundred people? No, that wouldn't have been proper in the moment. And so, you know what I did? I prayed. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, I literally prayed, God, make this man stumble. That was literally my prayer. Wow. You talk about a short prayer. I no sooner got the word stumble out of my mouth and that preacher uh, some of his pages fell off the, the pulpit. He he reached down. He got up. He fumbled them around. He fumbled around. And I mean, it was the most awkward 30 seconds. You you would because he was just going like crazy. And then for about 30 seconds, he couldn't say anything. He finally leaned in the pulpit in front of everybody he said, folks, I'm sorry. I'm completely lost. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I'm in my spirit. I My spirit absolutely soared in the moment. Now, that was an imprecatory prayer, so to speak, you know, against this guy, but it was an answer to prayer. And it was very, very it great, gave me great joy. And it fits verse seven. Um, another one besides just answer to prayer, again, in this passage is assurance. I mean, the very next verse says, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit 
and so you will be my disciples. Or to put it and to put it another way, Jesus was saying, "You'll prove that you're my disciple." Mm-hmm. So I think one of the fruits uh, is just assurance, the assurance, the absolute assurance that I am a child of God. Another one's a couple of verses later, verse eleven, is, and that would be joy. Look at that. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And, and by the way, I look for evidences when somebody places their faith in Jesus, Bill. Uh, the evidence I look for, I look for joy. I look for gratitude. Those are things I look for. If I don't see joy and if I don't, I've, I've, if I don't see gratitude, uh, I begin to wonder if it's real because when, when our salvation is real and we begin to, we begin to, uh, consider what took place for us to have our sins forgiven, given a place in heaven. I mean, that should give us sheer unadulterated joy. No, I, I completely agree, Pat Numbers. And thank you for saying that again, because we need to be reminded every day because our perspective can be adjusted quickly when we uh, let our mind dwell on that truth. Yes. Another thing I think, one of the other fruits is just intimacy. Again, just staying in the passage. I mean, look at verse 15. No longer, Jesus says, do I call you servants? For a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you, what? Remember what he called him? Friend. Friends. Yeah. Friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I, I've made known to you. I mean, that that speaks of intimacy, does it yeah. not? Oh, does it ever? I mean. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah. I heard somebody say, God, I heard somebody say, God doesn't have favorites but he does have intimates. Oh, I love that. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Let, let me God pause, let me pause while I write that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, 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 uh, you know, and one of the, this is a really cool illustration, but at the school I went to many years ago, one of the administrators was on the other side of his, uh, I was on, not me. My friend was on their side of the desk and he was looking for a pen. He couldn't find me. He goes, he said to my friend, I'm, look, I'll be, I got to go back to my office and get my pen. So he went back to his office, which was just on the other side of the wall. And he's, it was probably 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden my friend heard the, heard the, the administrator go, thank you, Lord. And he came around the corner with his, with the pen and he found a pen. And the very first thing he said was, thank you, Lord. That's intimacy. When wow. God does something, we our automatic, our reflex, our spirit reflexes to say thank you to the Lord. By the way, I have a wife that does that. I mean, she she'll be in the back looking for something she lost, and she'll find it. She's nobody's around. She doesn't even know I'm listening to her, and I'll hear her say, "Well, thank you, Lord." That's intimacy. <laughs> I love that's that. That's intimacy. Yeah, okay. and that's and that's fruit. Yeah, Pat. When we come back, I, I've got to. I'm going to ask you something about the word friend because I, I love this passage where uh, we're called friends, and I'm going to uh, return with that topic. Uh, Pastor Pat Nembers is my guest. We're in our Red Word series. Uh, if you have a question or comment, you can send me a text, 877-933-2484, and you can take these Faith Radio shows wherever you go. If you're going to go for a walk later tonight, or you're just out on your boat or something, if you have a boat, invite me. Um, you can do that by getting the podcast. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. It's the 
Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just climbed in your car, I hope you had a good day at work or whatever you were doing. And if you're getting ready for dinner, curious what's for dinner because um, I'm looking for ideas. I'm so glad to have Pat Nemers back on the show. And before we get back to John 15, because we're talking about the words of Jesus today, I also want to let uh, you know that Pat's got a really great book called Retractions. It's Cultivating Humility After Humiliation. It's called Retractions by Pat Nemers, N-E-M-M-E-R-S. You can check that out at Amazon.com or wherever you like to go buy books. All right, Pat, I was thinking about the word friend, and I I love this passage in John that he calls us friends. And the word friend, um, people can take liberties with friends where they say, oh, yeah, he's a friend of mine. And they're really not. They're more acquaintances, right? Because friendship is intimate. Yes, it is intimate. And and I don't think it's, it's rocket science. You just... You just uh, said something. We all of us have. We call lots of people friends. Yes, we do, uh, and which are really like more acquaintances. Um, I remember um, several years ago. This probably twenty plus years ago. We had a couple that was leaving our church. Can you believe somebody would leave the church that they passed? <laughs> no, I, I can't. Mean, I can't. And they had their they had their reasons and yada yada. But but they um, our church had about doubled in size. And so they felt they were alienated and I'll never forget it. They were, the woman was in my office and she said, well, one of the reasons we need to go, we, we, I mean, we only have like, like three really close friends in this church. I mean, there's so many people and we only have three really close friends. And I looked at her and I said, you have three close friends. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) And I did, I said, I said, do you realize what a treasure that is? Oh yeah. And uh, so I think if we think about who are your really close friends, I have a lot of friends and we, it's a little bit like the word love, isn't it? I mean, we say, I love, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I love my, and I love my wife. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we are not talking about the same loves here, right? No, we're talking Uh, about different loves. Yeah. So in a similar way, we are talking about different kinds of friends Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, and so, you know, and it, it's a little bit, <clears throat> I, my mind, Bill, goes to when Jesus restored uh, Peter uh, after he rose from the dead. You mm-hmm. remember that story? Oh, yes. yes. And, and, uh, yeah. So, so in this story here, here he has risen to the dead. You know, these guys are out fishing and, and uh, they're, they're along the shore and they're eating the fish that Jesus has prepared. Remember he says, he, Jesus, Peter, do you love me more than these? And, and he used the word agape do you agape me more than these the fish you know what i'm doing your occupation what your your former occupation uh peter peter has just denied jesus remember so he cannot bring himself to use the same word jesus used he said uh, lord you know i phileo you that's a beautiful word it means i love you because you love me you love me because i love you it's kind of a reciprocal it's a friendly love okay mm-hmm. and uh so Jesus says, okay, we'll feed my sheep. And then he comes back and says the same thing again. Do you love me more than these? And Peter repeated himself in the same way. Jesus said agape. Peter said phileo. I'm, uh, so the third time Jesus asked Peter, Jesus condescended to Peter's level and said, 
Peter, do you phileo me? Do you really have that kind of love for me? A love, the love of friend. And that's when Peter broke because Peter really was intimate with Jesus. He was his friend. And for Jesus to have to come down to his level and say, yeah, do you really love me like that, Peter? Because I mean, you kind of, you kind of blew it at the end, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, Peter wept and he's, I love what he says. One of my favorite, he goes, you know, all things. I love that line. Lord, you know, everything about me. He, mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so in that sense, he was restored. So to the question of friendship, uh, we need friendships, but let's be honest, we, we don't get to have that many friendships. So we better make the ones that are real and are intimate uh, a pretty big deal. And Pat, I, I just want to revisit the idea of the significance of Jesus calling us friends. Mm. Because when, I, when, when I'm in a conversation with somebody, and they'll, they'll say, yeah, I'm a friend of so-and-so. And I, I want to sometimes ask, well, get out your phone and show me their contact and their phone number. <laughs> and if you, if you can't do that, you, you might be acquaintances or they might be a long lost friend. Um, Cause yeah. I certainly don't have numbers of some of my dear friends uh, that I once was better friends with, you know, years and years ago. Um, but that does, that doesn't diminish the friendship, but you know, to be in an active, vibrant friendship, you have that kind of connected connectedness that you, you can open your phone, you can, you can call, uh, you have their contact information. And so are you really friends with Jesus? Because he wants to be friends with you. Yeah. You know, um, uh, we have, my wife and I have several kids. That's part of our story. And there is a chapter. And by the way, thanks for the plug on the book. Of course. Uh, there's, a, there's a chapter in the book titled, uh, it's titled after one of our sons. His name is John. The chapter is titled John. And every parent listening to this that has a wayward child, that's worth the price of the book just to just to read that chapter on John, because mm-hmm. he was a wayward child. He's now just been, uh, we just uh, laid hands on him as the next pastor wow. in our church planting network. It's really cool. Wow. But I tell you that because, but here, but I want your listeners to take heart. Our son, John, was arrested for assault about uh about 13 years ago 14 yeah 13 years ago he beat up a guy and uh i literally had wrote out a resignation i was going to resign because it was almost scandalous he was still a teenager but uh it was like i said nearly scandalous and but because he was under our authority and the leadership of our church got behind me they were very kind to me i didn't deserve it but i um uh, you know, we just continue to pray and fast and seek the Lord's face on behalf of our son, John. But here's where I want to go with this, with the friendships. So on the night our son was arrested, we were supposed to be with some friends that we had led to Christ and they just, we discipled them. They were about our age. They just became very dear to us. And I had a lot of people that I would talk about my son, John, to that I cared for and and appreciated and considered friends. But this couple, there was just something about them. And so even our son had been arrested. So I called them up and I, you know, I said, I, we, you really don't want us. We're a mess. You don't really want us up there. They said, no, we want you here tonight. And so we went up there, Bill. And that night, my wife and I sat with our friends and it was the first time I was able to just break down and weep. Mm-hmm. 
right and without shame without without fear i could just be myself and weep with my friends and uh that's you know you can say a lot of things about a friend but when you can be your um absolute messy snot running down your nose tears running down your face and they don't care because they love you that's a friend yeah and uh, and i think all of us need at least a couple people like that in our lives and i have to tell you i know hundreds and hundreds of people but there are a few people i consider intimates and here's the thing everybody can be encouraged by we can all be intimate with jesus yeah so good Pat, I always love the idea of, of uh, a, a true friend you can have a 10-second conversation with, you know, where I wouldn't have to call you and say, hey, Pat, it's Bill Arnold calling. How are you today? You know, we're, yeah. I cut right to the chase. Hey, uh, yeah. what was the name of the guy that scored that goal last night? Oh, Johnson. That's right. All right. Talk to you later. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the person that you, or the person, the other person, the other definition of just from a, is when you, um, something comes up in your life. And you can't get together like you planned. Yeah, it's not a it's not a tragedy like when I just described. But a girlfriend where you call and say, "Hey, we got a situation. We're we're not gonna be able to make it." And they say, "Got it. Understood. We'll make it. Ne- we'll do it next time." And you're done. Yeah, the conversation's up. You don't have to give a whole bunch of explanation. Yeah, <laughs> one of my dearest friends is flying in uh, from Wichita, Kansas uh, tomorrow, and he said, uh, "I land in Minneapolis around nine thirty. I'm gonna Uber to, uh, to my parents' house." And I said. Oh, no, under no circumstances are you Ubering. I'm going to pick you up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he just put a little yeah. uh, little thumbs up on the, on, on the text exchange. But, yeah. Um, the, the, I had an identical thing happen to me just two weeks ago, Bill. I was in Los Angeles. We missed our connecting flight from Denver to L.A. And so instead of flying into a much nicer airport in the Los Angeles area, we had to fly into LAX. You know what they say in L.A.? Friends don't let friends fly into LAX. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. and, but we had to fly in there and we got in at midnight. And my friend that I was, we were ministering with and too said, uh, I just told him, I said, we'll, we'll Uber our way up to you. He goes, no way. Yeah. You're not going to Uber. I'll see you there. And he picked us up. That's a friend. Yeah. And not to mention, I'm picking up my sister and her husband tonight at 10 o'clock at the airport. So I'm doing a couple of back-to-backers. It is that, you know, Bill, when it comes to friendship and when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to assurance, and we've talked about all of these things, I, I think we'd be amiss if I didn't add the last verse in this context is second from the last is verse 16, where it says, it, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And then I love this next expression and that your fruit should remain one of the fruits of uh, one of the fruits that we talked about from the beginning, we talked about intimacy and other is consistency. When a person is really uh, abiding in Christ, bearing fruit, it continues to bear fruit. They continue to bear fruit. Their fruit remains. This is this is the reason why Jesus talked about. Remember those? Remember that other metaphor of the plants that come up quickly, and they yep. and these are the people that make decisions. They have joy, and then the plant falls over. You know because it because it doesn't have uh, root. This is the same idea here. If a person is real, if we are real, then we're going to bear fruit. And we're not just going to bear fruit. According to what Jesus said, our fruit is going to remain. And to pull it back to what we were talking about with friends, if my fruit is remaining, 
that's going to draw people to me. You know that vine I talked about in mm-hmm. the back of our house? Yeah. I quit going there because it didn't have any fruit on it. <laughs> Why did I want to? It didn't have any fruit on it. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, to me, it's really important that we, that we understand that if we're real, if we're connected to the vine, we will bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and continued fruit. Yeah. Pat, one of the couple of things that you said from last time we talked was the the vine dresser is never more intimate than when he is pruning the vine. That's when the yeah. vine dresser is the most intimate with the, with the vines. And you also said that once the vine has been pruned, it's not very attractive. No, no. And you know, you know, and along that line, I I think I need to share this with you as well and with the listeners. A lot of listeners should know that I, I'm guessing that some of your listeners are not all 25 years old. I'm guessing that some of them are maybe a little older, perhaps. And uh, you should know that that when it comes to um, bearing fruit, the older the vine gets, the more pruning it needs. Mm-hmm. And and it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. It never looks really good, you know. When you know when you're being pruned, but at the same time. You're, the fruit is still very sweet. Uh, the older somebody is, uh, it, just because you're older uh, doesn't mean um, your fruit gets worse. In fact, it can get even sweeter as the vine gets older. And so I'm, there's a psalm. The Psalm 92 says, says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Watch this, Bill. They shall still, my favorite word in this, they shall still bear fruit in old age. Oh, they, shall be, they shall be fresh and flourishing. So if you're an older individual listening to this, you should know that God wants you to continue to bear fruit, even in your old age, for the glory of God. And I mean, I don't know about you, Bill, but I love older people who have been planted in the house of the Lord for many years. They love Jesus. They still serve him until they can't serve him anymore. And that, I think, brings great glory to God and shows uh, that the fruit is real in their lives. Fantastic. All right, I'm going to take a break, Pat, but uh, on the way to break, I'm just going to say I got a nice note from uh, someone listening right now that said, Hi, Bill. Always uh, a joy when you feature biblical teachings. Pastor Pat Nemers is quite the worthy tutor Really enjoy when he's featured the spiritual equivalent of Joe Ryan taking the mound. <laughs> Joe Ryan is our, our, our Minnesota Twins hot starting picture pitcher this year. So. Yeah, that's a great compliment. Isn't that uh, nice? You know, from a, yeah, very nice. Coming from a Cubs fan here too. It's very nice. I mean, <laughs> so, might as well cheer for the Twins because the Cubs aren't doing very well. <laughs> right. So my only my only uh, ask is when we come back from break, you're still on the line, okay? We'll be. All right, go. Don't go anywhere. Pastor Pat Nevers is my guest. We'll be right back as we continue our discussion on John chapter 15 in the red words of Jesus. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. When I pray, I love to go to God's word and pray back to the Father. I love to go in Psalm 103, where I start by praying, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
I always think if I start talking to God with his words, I let him start the conversation. That's always the way that I love to pray. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. Pastor Pat Nemers is my guest. We're in John chapter 15. And during the break, Pat, I went back and I had to look at that beautiful passage that um, says that your, that your fruit should remain. Mm. And verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Are we thinking that as, as godly attitudes as well? And, and righteous behavior and all that is that is that part of that do you think yeah I think it's all the above okay I mean, you know the fruit as we understand it from Galatians 522 and such and just you know love joy peace gentleness goodness you know faithfulness self-control the whole nine yards and then some and what we've talked about here the intimacy will continue there's a re- there's a remaining element uh, to uh, a person and Jesus told us that I mean your fruit God did this so that we would he didn't just want us to explode on the scene and be gone the next day he wants us to demonstrate a life that's changed I mean if anyone is in Christ they're a new creation old things are passed away all things have become new and are becoming new and I just thought of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from one level of glory to the next. That's a fruit. That's a consistent fruit. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we, should we move on to verse 18, 19? Well, actually, actually, I am dying to get to seven reasons God, oh, okay. if I could. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, so I'm, um, and but you know I, I'm just trying to buy more time for another time, Bill. That's okay. the reason I'm doing this. All right, I'm, all right. You're dragging, you're dragging your heels so you can get on again. I, <laughs> I got you. I got you figured out, Nemers. Okay, so we'll see how far we get on this. All but right. God, I'm, I'm, there are seven reasons God prunes us beyond the obvious, which is to bear fruit, and we're going to get to that. But the first one I think we should know is God prunes us to make us holy. Uh, there are several reasons that God prunes us you know he is our divine uh vine dresser but according to the book of of hebrews we are our father disciplines us uh the book of hebrews tells us the father disciplines us that we might become quote partakers of his holiness Mm -hmm. have you ever read that yes and and then it goes on to say that no discipline this is this is hebrews 12 no discipline is joyous at the time but rather painful but afterwards to those who've been trained by it it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Love it. So, so God does this because, you know, we talk about being holy. And uh, I have, a, by the way, I have a, my own definition for holiness is, is, uh, is, uh, it is when, is drawing closer to God, adjusting yourself to God. My definition for being holy is adjusting yourself to God. Uh, because the word holy means to be, literally means to be separate. And uh, our vine dresser, has to separate us, has to separate things from us, does he not, in order to make us more holy? Sometimes he, you mentioned it earlier, Bill, when the vine dresser is done doing his pruning, it's not a pretty looking vine, okay? Mm-hmm. Hacked away stuff, he's pinched off stuff. Um, and so sometimes God will hack at the very heart of our lives 
and take things that we cling to most, good things even, but perhaps not the things he wants us to cling to. Mm-hmm. Just imagine something that you really, really cherish suddenly gone. Just right now, every listener, including you, Bill, imagine something that you really deeply cherish suddenly being gone. It could be a person. I mean, it was for me, as you remember last time, it, it was a person. It was yeah. my very own wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you remember uh, uh, Bruce Wilkerson in his book, The Secrets of the Vine, he has a really great quote. He says, this is why God will always prune those things we slavishly seek first, love most, and be grudge giving up. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's you know I'm a I'm a '70s guy, and uh, you remember was it uh, 38 Special that had the uh, the song uh, where it had the line "Just hold on loosely, but don't let go." Right. If you if you cling too tightly, you're gonna lose control. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Oh yeah. So I mean that, that you know that's not biblical, but it is. I mean that's not out of the Bible, but that's the idea here. Uh, I think God we'll take, we'll peel things out of our hand that we cling too tightly to. So uh, uh, we need to know he, he's doing this to, to make us more uh, holy. And another reason God prunes us is to develop in us more trust. Okay. So uh, if, if you, if our listeners were to go to second Corinthians chapter one, it talks about suffering and Paul's describing his, his experience in Asia. And he says this, he says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble that came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life. You talk about discouragement. Yes, we have, a, we have the sentence of death in ourselves. I mean, Paul's describing himself as being really, really low as a result of this. And then he, he ends by saying, in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So I think one of the main reasons God prunes us is to cause us to develop more trust in him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means to make things hurt just a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. So Peter, if I could refer to Peter again, who I love what Pete, First Peter 1, 6 says, Peter says, though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials. I want you to listen to that again. Though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials. So, in other words, trials are presently, temporarily, and necessarily given to us. Though now, that's present. Mm-hmm. For a little while, that's temporary. If need be, that's necessity. So, God doesn't waste trials, I guess, is probably what we really need to know here. And and the pruning process is a trial. It is a discipline, but it's not meant to be forever. And it's always meant for our holiness and that we might learn to lean into him just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So good. So, and I don't know how much time, much more time we have, probably just a few more minutes. Yeah. We've, but got, probably, we've got probably three and a half. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to add one more. Okay. God prunes us, God prunes us to create in us more ministry. So remember, Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. That's, that's ministry, Bill. And again, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is where God is described as the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then he says that we may be able to comfort those who, have, who are in any trouble. In other words, 
being having been comforted, we become comforters, right? So in other words, God prunes us in order to create in us more ministry. And uh, I, I think this is what perhaps uh, the apostle Paul meant when he said, and this is an obscure verse. I memorized it many years ago. It's Romans 15, 18, where Paul said, he says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, both in word and in deed. Think about that. I won't dare to speak of anything unless that Christ hasn't accomplished in me. I think it was D.L. Moody who said the great sin of his generation was men preaching, you know, beyond their experience, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, back basically, he said the great sin was men who were trafficking in unlived truth. So I think God lets us live through things so that we can have a broader, greater ministry in other people's lives. And this is all what it means, all part of what it means to bear fruit, more fruit and much fruit. And yeah, there's pain in the process, but there's no, but there's joy that, that, uh, more than covers the pain. Mm-hmm. Pat, that was, this has been a fast hour. I think you want a, another spot on the show too, because <laughs> we still have more of John 15 to get through. We do. Yeah. And I'm, ha- I'm happy to return. Good. Let's plan on that then. It's awfully nice to have you back on the program. Thank you so much. Again, uh, Pastor Pat Nemers has been my guest. and You can check out his book, Retractions, on Amazon. And it is a spectacular book. Pat, have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk again. Thank you, Bill. God bless. God bless you. Take a break, and when we come back, uh, Jeff Verdorn is going to talk about First Thessalonians chapter. We're in our study of Thessalonians. We're going to get through both one and two. So far, it's been a fantastic study, and I don't think you're going to want to miss. So don't miss. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get out your Bibles, turn it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.